Hey, it's Jenna, and welcome to the At Home Tarot Podcast, where we are building a home within ourselves, one daily spiritual practice at a time. Let's get started with today's tarot reading. Hello and welcome in to At Home Tarot. It's been a minute and I'm so happy to be sitting here this morning taking, you know, a little bit of time out of what's been a very full couple of weeks to sync back in with you with a tarot reading. Um, as you may have noticed, if you're a follower, we are moving into a time when I'm going to be doing readings for you on the podcast intuitively, and they're all going to be based in um, astrological happenings because I just think that's really fun to root into how seasons shift and um, transits in the sky and new moons and full moons um, and, you know, whatever else sort of holidays or spiritual happenings seem to come up for us. So uh, happy to be back after what's been a while, although I have been doing my weekly astrology tarot readings over on YouTube. So I hope you've joined me there. If you haven't, go head over. You can search out at at home tarot with Jenna Dale and I've been doing uh, weekly readings for the zodiac signs so you know if you're missing our little get-togethers you can head over there for some short and sweet readings today I'm coming to you um, off of our tarot circle uh, which just happened two days ago I have begun, as I've been letting you know, um, a tarot circle every month that you can attend. Uh, there is a limit of 20 people. We had a few this time as we're just getting off the ground and it was so anchoring um, and so, so grounding. Uh, we had a really good time. And so th what these are is going through some of the astrological things of the month ahead. So we were really able to go through and take a look at May and really feel into what that would look like in May, what kind of energy was coming in May and all those beautiful things. And from there, do an intuitive reading based on a spread I created from that energy. Um, and was able to just take a lot of space to sit and talk about cards in depth um, for what came up for people. So that that felt really good and sort of planned some next actions. I had a beautiful attendee send me this on Instagram. Um, she reached out and said, I just adored this tarot circle as a way to land at the start of the month. It felt so grounding a way to mark the passage of time with more presence. Beautiful, beautiful. That's exactly what we want is we want to stop rolling through our time as if it doesn't exist. And I don't know if you feel the same, but sometimes I find myself waking up and going, whoa, where did, you know, where did the month go? And we lose track. And one of the things in my Celtic ancestry um, is all about markers in time. You know, we had things like the solstices and Beltane and things that really marked really significant time so that we could take a pause 
and land into, oh, you know, what time of year is it? What season am I in? And be really intentional moving forward of what we need to be doing in that season, what we're preparing, what we're harvesting, um, what kind of things we're going to um, put on our calendar. And so these monthly ones are really a time to do that. Um, so I really hope you'll join me in the next one. It's May 28th. That's always the last Sunday of the month at 9 a.m. Pacific. Yes, there's a replay. So if you want to join, but you can't join live, do please still sign up. Um, and I really hope you'll join me in the next one. I will link the invite down below. So make sure you RSVP and get your seat before tickets run out. All right. Today we are talking about um, some energy in May and doing a reading, doing a reading on Pluto retrograde. And with Pluto retrograde, um, Juno entering Gemini. Uh, this is something I brought up in Tarot Circle. And so what is happening is as of yesterday, so we're a little bit a day in, but really this energy um, is lasting quite a while. It's lasting into June, um, June 11th. And when, let's just talk about Pluto for a second. Pluto is about evolution. It's about transformation, um, right? Because it is on the cusp. It is the last planet in our galaxy. And, it, you know, it, it really asks us to not stay the same, right? Um, Pluto is actually often associated with generations. You know, so when we think about millennials or boomers or this or that, you can actually go back and realize, oh, a lot of the millennials are Scorpio Plutos. And so it's a time where the way millennials evolve is through going really deep within. We, you know, we're the ones that began this whole social media mental health therapy uh, boom um, and self-growth because we are constantly evolving by going deeper within, looking at power dynamics and us looking at our mental health. Um, looking at intimacy, all of those things, wanting it to evolve. Uh, before us, there was Libra, and it was all about relationships and the dynamics of, of marriage and harmony and those sort of things. And, you know, a lot of my parents' generation are, are the Pluto Virgos. And so a lot of analysis, a lot of organization, a lot of hard work. When we think of boomers, they really grew up to evolve, to learn, you know, how to be perfect in a lot of ways, or at the very least sort of, um, well, a lot of mystics came from that, but a lot of people who were nitpicky <laughs> from that, um, and so on and so forth, you know, uh, we're watching, uh, the Sagittarius Plutos grow up. Um, which is really interesting. So we just had Pluto move into Aquarius not long ago. And now Pluto is sort of pausing in the sky for us, the way we view it. Um, it'll start to look like it's going backwards, which of course it's not, but it just is that view for us. And so 
what has happened is we've dipped into Aquarius over the last couple months. Um, actually not even the last two months, maybe not even, uh, March 23rd, it entered Aquarius. Aquarius really asks us to take a look at our peer groups, the people we spend time with. Um, it asks us to understand our role in that. And, um, you know, Aquarius wants to rewater scorched earth, scorched earth, and it wants to to innovate and it wants to do things differently than it's done before. Um, it's a complex sign, so I'm not going to get too far into it. But what I was telling my tarot circle is that as this retrogrades, just like Mercury, we want to double check things, right? Because things could easily go awry in this transformation. And so we want to review, we want to double check. Um, we want to kind of stumble over things so that we can fix that before Pluto heads, you know, back towards Aquarius. Now it's not going to do that for a while. Um, it's actually going to dip back into Capricorn so that we can actually review the transformation we just went through. Um, so that's really cool. So we we're getting a taste of the nature. We just got a taste of the nature of the transformation to come. I'm going to read collectively on what that might be for a lot of us. And as that's happening, Juno enters Gemini and Juno is in charge of marriage. It's in charge of long-term commitments. And it really wants us to marry ourselves to the things we want to commit to on a lifelong level. Um, it wants us to not commit to things that, you know, we're not willing to marry. We're not willing to make this vow to um, and this sort of uh, karmic contract to. Um, and of course, it's Gemini. So Gemini would really want us to learn more about marriage, long-term commitment, the things we're marrying and devoting ourselves to lifelong. It wants us to learn about it. It wants us to connect deeper to it. It also wants us to have the deeper conversations. It wants to go there. Um, it wants to figure out and communicate about it. And so that's really interesting. It also, you know, Gemini's got great um, evolution, transformation energy because um, Gemini never forgets they have options and choice and they can switch gears and they can switch identities very quickly. It's what drives a lot of people sometimes a little bananas about Gemini, but you know, that's just them. That's their variety. They, they are, they are riding life to the fullest. A lot of the time Gemini's, um, if they allow themselves to have those options and that variety and, to not have to be a certain person more than a single moment or a single day. Uh, so we've got this beautiful energy about reviewing what's transforming and maybe even reviewing what we've been committing ourselves to, what we want to commit ourselves to lifelong. It's a little bit of the energy of this. And so I pulled a reading today for us through tarot um, for an anchor card, what we're remembering about this transformation, what we need to really root into and not forget during this time and something that can really lead us at the same time. So not only is it a reminder, it's an anchoring, it's a grounding, um, it's a touchstone that we can hold on to and go, oh, right, this is what I'm here to do over, you know, till June 11th, at least when this goes back, Pluto goes back into Capricorn. And then we might be reviewing and going over 
transformation that's already happened um, again, or we're getting a chance to sort of finish up things we didn't finish up or get our closure or things like that. So I'm going to have an anchor remembrance card. I also have a life giving card. So what will give us life during this time, right? Um, this could be the longevity. This just could be how to move through this. A reminder of what's going to be life taking during this time. So really considering what's life taking um, and taking our life and our energy from us during this time that we, we kind of want to watch for. Um, and I also have what conversations need to be had. This was an interesting card. We'll get to it. And what is going to center us? Um, so let's, let's get into this reading. So our anchor card for this Pluto retrograde in Aquarius is the Eight of Cups. And I really love this for transformation because it's say one, it's saying we can be doing this day to day. You know, sometimes we're going through an energy where we can't see our actions day to day. We just feel a transformation coming over us. It might be more of an inner transformation or um, a, a more energetic one over our life. But this is telling us, you know, this transformation, this retrograde, um, where we're being shown what can be possible for us. Um, the eight of of cups says, you know, you're going to have to actually do this on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, there's actual action involved. So let's talk about the eight. Eights are our change card. They, I, I want you to think about the scientific process. Okay. Uh, remember back way back into your elementary days, um, you might have children who are going through science projects. You know, first you pick an experiment and you figure out how you can test for something. And then you hypothesize what's going to happen. Um, and you do the experiment. You record the results. You consider those results, right? You reflect on them. And then you adjust. So you might do the experiment again and adjust what you're doing in order to get more efficient results um, or get the results that were actually um, based on what you needed to get out of it. Not, not a manipulation to get what you want, but more, well, those are good results, but we want it to help us do this. And so we need to look at maybe a different factor or we need to factor this into the experiment next time to really see what those results would be. And so you're creating a more efficient um, a process that's get, actually getting you closer to the results you want. And then you get the results and then you post the results and then you sort of like move on to a different experiment and allow people to just kind of do with that what it will be. So the one to 10 can kind of be like the scientific process of tarot. And the one is kind of the inspiration of, you know, why do we need this experiment? Choosing how that's going to go and, and moving through those in the deck. And so the seven is, is the point um, before eight where you sit and reflect and you don't want to rush into 
um, any adjustments, you really want to sit and reflect. And so I always say, you know, sevens look like you should just jump into the next action, but really what you need to do is stop and, and wait and contemplate and reflect a little bit more on what you're doing. Um, because the eight comes in and the eight in that scientific process would be when you adjust and you actually go, wait, I can see how this experiment can be more efficient. And in order for it to be more efficient, I'm going to change it up. And I'm going to do this instead and see what that result gets me. And it usually gets, you know, the information, the data um, closer to um, what's actually going to be useful for us to actually use. And so that's the eight. You know, the eight is like, you've been through this. It's saying, it's anchoring us in, you have been through this and it's cups. So you've been through this emotionally. You've been through this long emotional process, possibly with someone or something in your life that you have been trying to commit yourself to. Um, and that's been wonderful. That's been great, you know, amazing. But we've gotten to the point with the eight where we realize, you know, I've been reflecting on this and I see what, what needs adjustment. I see what's missing. When we look at the eight of cups, we're looking at, um, we're, we're looking at somebody who's sitting on a beach, um, almost like out here in Nova Scotia, uh, where, you know, there's rocks and, and different things. And somebody has been sitting on the beach and they've been building this tower of cups. They've been building this wall really of cups and they realize that they're missing one, right? So there's five cups on the bottom and dispersed on top, there's three placed, two on one side, one on the other, and there's one missing uh, in that process. And then, of course, you can't build out the rest of the pyramid. You can't have, you know, the next um, the next two or the next three and then the one on top. Something is missing to the point where we can't build more emotionally. Um, and what this anchor card is telling us about retrograde in Pluto is that we got a bit of a taste. We got the first experiment of what this is going to be. And what we're anchoring into from now until June 11th is that you're reflecting and you've noticed something's missing. And in this card, the person has already made the choice. So they've already in the seven of cups really reflected on all the possibilities here and what could happen. And we do this emotionally, right? We reflect on what would happen if I stayed in this relationship or um, chose to do this or chose to do that. And we sit and we reflect and we already have all this life experience and these emotional experiences, whether it's in a relationship or in life, before this even happens, We've already had all this experience. And so in the seven, we're looking out over our life and we have all this emotional life experience and emotional intelligence that we have grown into. And we're going, what now? And we don't know in the seven and we're not supposed to take action in the seven. You know, we're supposed to sit and be reflective. And 
in the eight, this person has already stepped away from the cups, like gotten up, grabbed their staff, right? Because the wands in tarot is our action. We're taking action. We're making movement. So they grab their staff, they grab their wand, and they've already begun to walk away. Um, they're already, they're not fading into the distance. It's recent, right? They probably only have been walking for all of 30 seconds, but they've already turned their back and walked away from this Tower of Cups. It's missing one. And because it's missing one, the rest of the emotional experience, the rest of the 10, the nine cups, right? Getting what we want. And then the 10 cups, just being good with what we have. Um, it can't be built. The rest of this pyramid of cups that they're building, um, almost like a, a champagne tower, right? It, can, it can't be created because it's missing something. And because it's missing that thing, anything you build on top doesn't have the foundation and everything on top will have to be missing some as well. And so we think about alignment. Alignment is where everything's in a beautiful line. And it reminds me of the pyramid of glasses, the pyramid of champagne glasses, because you really do have to have all the glasses on all levels there. You take one that's supporting others and it all falls, or you don't have one and you can't build a certain area. Um, and so there's this fullness, this emotional fullness we'd be missing if we just sort of stayed with that tower and built on it what we could. Um, but the person in this card is us and we really understand we can't build out something that's not there. You know, if, if cups are what we desire, what we emotionally long for, um, there's something that can't be built. There's a desire in the situation we're in in life that can't come to fruition because we're missing a foundational emotional piece. And so that might be relationship stuff for you. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. Oh, that's good. Um, that might be relationship stuff for you. This might be work, something you're pursuing in the work. You might even want to really consider where Aquarius is in your chart. Um, you can look up whole house. I love uh, Placidus only because it adds a little more nuance that, of course, the sky wasn't perfect when I was born. And what I found is there's a little more nuance in these very um, degree based astrologies. Um, so however you like it is fine. It's something to consider. And it might be something, as I was saying in Tarot Circle on Sunday, probably the first thing that came to mind that Tarot's not supposed to show us anything we're not ready to already see. You know, that that's one of the beautiful things about Tarot is we don't have to dig for the information. It should be right there on the surface. When we look at the card or we start hearing something from, you know, looking up a card meaning or from a tarot reader, that instinct in us, that first thing is the thing. And it's not that more will be not be revealed in time. It absolutely may. Um, and I find that's actually the beautiful thing is that even more is going to be revealed 
um, as you live. And that's really cool about tarot. Um, I think doing reflective tarot is pretty awesome. Uh, being able to go over what you've just been through with tarot um, as a way to I don't know, find closure, expand your perspective, those sort of things. Um, so yeah, go take a look and, and see what that is. But this is our anchor card. And the remembrance of this card is that you, just because you're in cups, right? Just because you're in the cups, just because you're emotionally attached, just because our emotions really desire something, we really want this champagne tower, this thing that's going to bring emotional fulfillment. Just because we've been there, we've been sitting, we've been building, we've been tending, and then realizing hmm, something integral is missing here and I can't keep building. We always had our wand with us. And I think that's the cool thing about the traditional card, the Rider Waite Smith card, is this person in the cups is utilizing their wand power. They're saying, I know I am so attached to this cup tower that I'm building, this thing that I've wanted, um, the, uh, the whole experiment that's gone before, right? The thing that I chose to start building, but I have my wand and I am allowed to walk away. I am allowed to um, take action towards, you know, who I could be now. And that's really cool. And a new commitment, right? When we think of Juno in Gemini, I'm allowed to recommit to something new. I'm, I'm actually in this, we don't even know what it is. It's just we're allowed to seek a new commitment that might end up being more long-term um, and devote ourselves to seeking out um, the nine, which is, okay, I have finally <laughs> the missing cup here um, that's going to build the fullness of emotional fulfillment. So that's our anchor card. Uh, moving into what's life giving, we have the six of pentacles. And, you know, let, let's keep talking about the scientific um, thing here. Um, the, the six of pentacles is when we get the results. It's when we can share the results with others, right? We're still going to be reflective, um, but we're, we're sort of bringing everything back together. Um, there's a balance in the six, a rebalance. And so if we think of five as the actual experiment itself, the six is when the experiment stops and we can go back to, um, back to the data, um, back to looking at this as a whole, um, all of those things. It's kind of an interesting card. Um, and so the six of pentacles is about the things we have, the things we own, um, the skills that we have, the service we have to offer, really in a lot of ways, what we have to offer others. And the six is really a card that speaks of generosity and about trying to balance out where something was too much um, or not even that something was too much, but one person had more than another or more than others. 
And so what could be really life-giving um, in the six of pentacles for us during this time is to be really generous with what we have um, and to really watch the generosity of others, observe um, how they respond when we give of ourselves to them. This is about finding balance. There's the scales in the six of pentacles that's really reminiscent um, of the justice card and some of the other ones. Um, and so we think about the fact that what do we have to give that will bring more fairness, more justice into the world. Now, you know, I use this tarot podcast to really talk about our day-to-day lives, our individual lives, because I believe when things shift there, they do ripple out into the collective. But I can see this in some of the political and national spaces that, you know, we forget that what can bring people back alive and allow life to continue thriving is to bring fairness where there hasn't been fairness, to bring people into a balance where everybody can access what they individually need. And in that, we can have better relationships even with strangers because we're no longer looking at people as above and below. We're seeing people as this is what they need and this is what I have to give. Um, and to give an abundance, um, and also to receive an abundance. And so really considering what you have to give during this time, what you don't have to give and what's fair, is there a sense of fair reciprocity in this transformation? If it's a relationship, if it's work, um, if it's home life, is there a fair a really balanced reciprocity happening. And remember that this is about resources. Okay. So it's not swords. This isn't about um, reciprocity of conversation or belief system. This isn't about reciprocity when it comes to um, actions and behaviors. It's not reciprocity in the cups so emotionally, it's not like give and get there. This is really about the tangible. Um, and so is there reciprocity? Is there fairness when it comes to finances? Is there reciprocity and fairness when it comes to material goods, your home and the things you own? Is there reciprocity when there's shared skills? I have this skill, you have that skill, and I seek you out for the skills that you have in spades. Um, And you seek me out and we have this fair exchange happening. Um, the, The pentacles can also be body. And so you might think, you know, even though this doesn't seem like a very like sexually intimate card, It is about the reciprocity and balancing the power dynamics in the bedroom uh, when it comes to sex, when it comes to giving our bodies to people. Is there reciprocity there? Um, Does it feel fair? Does it feel equal? Are all boundaries and agreements sort of um, honored, right? Um, 
can, do you feel you can give of yourself freely um, in that space? And are you being given too freely in the other person as well? So there's some a lot of interesting things in that card, that, that particular card. Um, so really, really cool to think about generosity, what's actually generous and what's fair and what's reciprocal and what's regenerative. Um, so really about balancing those parts out of how you give to each other. Um, so kind of the practical ways you give to each other, but also the physically intimate ways. What's life taking here? Um, life taking is the king of cups and he's reversed. So I want you to imagine you know, here's this missing cup from our eight. The king has it. It's in his hands. Um, and usually I would trust the king of cups, um, you know, with this. So if I'm thinking about the eight of cups and I'm thinking that I'm seeking this thing out and there's somebody in my life that has the potential, you know, not to fulfill me, but to be a part of that thing that's missing and he's holding it. And that could be really beautiful because it could be somebody who's really standing in their groundedness, in their emotional maturity, um, when it comes to their emotions and they're saying, look, I can hold this with you. I'm actually a really strong figure you can depend on. Um, I will add stability to whatever this thing is, this desire, this emotional fulfillment that you want. I will add stability. I will establish it into your life with you. This could be you, right? Like the King of Cups doesn't have to be another person. Um, although for some of you, it could be another person. Um, but it's here. For some of it, it's, it's like one of our inner parts at play, our inner masculine, our inner father, all of those things. Um, but he's in reversed. So you take this person who's really able to add structure, success, um, really hold what you desire and and has the power to make it true in your life right the kings have the power to decide what gets built what energy goes where you know the king is that decider um and so we think about that and then we think that for some reason this isn't working the way it should that that part of us that person is in distress they're upside down um the you know, whenever I see cups upside down, I'm just like, oh, like whatever could be in that cup can't stay in that cup. And if I want to pour into that cup, I can't pour into that cup. And that's a really interesting way. And so when the king is reversed, here he is on his throne and he can't hold anything. There's nothing that can that he can hold and it can be a real sign of all of sort of the qualities that we think of when somebody can't hold emotions when somebody can't um find structure or get what they desire because they literally can't hold on to the emotional experience of having it um, you know, the King of Cups could have this beautiful emotion to him that he can build with. And yet when he's reversed, he can't build anything. Um, he can't um, 
choose discerningly um, what to do. And he's, it's all coming out of me. Give me a moment to string it together. He can't build anything that's emotion-based because he doesn't want to hold on to it. It's, it's too much. Um, and it's often draining away and we get this sort of figure who, like you said, can be a little bit, um, emotionless, a little bit cold about love and the feelings and, and the things that come up for them. It's very, um, almost becomes a little King of Swords, um, side to him of like, he's cold. And yet the King of Cups has this water at the base of him. And so when he's upside down, it's no longer under him. He's no longer, um, not in control, but no longer reigning, right? No longer the authority, like emotions is no longer the dominion that holds him. Um, the, the water starts to be above him. And so we can think about, well, if water's above someone, it's like it's over their head and they're in over their head. So the King of Cups, while it can also be cold and emotionless, can also sometimes seem like they're drowning in emotion, um, that they're reactive emotionally. And we want to watch for all of these things in us. And we want to watch for all of these things in that thing we're committed to or that person we're committing to um, and that evolution we're headed towards. Um, sometimes when we start evolving, we realize we're devolving, um, but it kind of feels like a change, uh, right? Uh, so we want to really consider with King of Cups, um, what's life taking and that, you know, not being able to hold emotions, letting our emotions drown us or drown others with us, um, is going to really take it out of us. Right? It's really going to take away from that beautiful magnificence of what it feels like to be emotionally fulfilled and emotionally held and to be able to use your desires, use your emotions to build something um, and to direct your energy. I think with King of Cups, we don't have a really good grasp on our emotions. And so we can't really direct our energy well, because we're not in touch. Um, and again, this could be you and this could be somebody else. So it's not that you're always going to be in this. This is just what we want to watch for that can really drain life away, right? It's the life taking card rather than the life giving card. Um, and I think it's just really important to consider, um, until June 11th, watching in yourself, watching in others, this, um, this sort of black and white of completely cold and like apathy and then completely reactive and that being in that mode is going to be life-taking, uh, right? It's, it's going to, um, not serve us. Uh, so really watching for that in yourself, uh, really watching for that in, in the things you're committing to the people you're committing to. The next one is the, the energy of the conversations that we're having around this evolution, around this 
commitment, this lifelong commitment, this thing that we're learning to marry ourselves to in this lifetime and commit ourselves to. Um, I got the five of swords and I got to tell you, plain as day, five of swords to me is the the a big conversation card for one swords is about our tongue and our communication and our mind, like everything from, from the throat up is swords energy. Um, five is again, when we think about that scientific process, five is the experiment. Five is when the thing is happening. Five is when things get messy and we don't know how it's going to go. Right. And so five is also in swords about, um, conversations that can both honor us and hurt us. Um, it's really about conversations where you get what you want, but unfortunately there's a separation in this card. So if you haven't seen this card, um, in the Rider Waite Smith traditional deck, you know, there's this person with fiery hair, which really tells us this person is fiery, right? This person, um, it can really, um, lose their temper in communicating and they're there with three swords. And so they're holding on to all the things that they had to say. In the background, there's these two people walking away. One's walking away, one's already a little farther. It looks like their head is in their hands, sort of crying. And the swords of those two people are at their feet. And so these are about defeating conversations, conversations where us <laughs> kind of dominate and defeat another, or conversations where we go into it and feel dominated and defeated by someone else. This is also conversations that involve more than just you and them. It involves another person or another entity, right? Your work or, um, you know, your home, some other big looming thing that almost feels like another person. It, it could be a child if you're a family, right? Um, things like that. And it's like one person is just always sort of dominating the conversation. One person is always kind of getting to what they want to get to in conversation and the other people aren't. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's really separating. It's conversations that separate us and divide us. Um, and this is, you know, energy of our conversations can, what, what is this teaching us? Right. Um, but, there's a lot of self-honoring in this card as well. And I think that's something people don't often see in the card. But the whole point here is, one, two of these people know when to walk away. They know when the conversation is just no longer working and they need to somehow get out of it. Um, it looks like one was able to just walk away. It looks like the other one maybe had to have an altercation first where one person was hurt in order for them to take off. Um, we think about this in conversation a lot, or at least I do as someone who has navigated really um, fiery conversations in my life. Um, that really was my whole existence growing up with 
um, you know, a dad who yelled and lost his temper and, um, you know, would often say really bitter things or, um, whatnot. Thankfully, you know, we all grow a little bit. Um, but for me, it's really reminiscent of that. And then because I was the one that followed in his footsteps, um, you know, this can be reminiscent of conversations I've had and how important it is to walk away. Um, how important it is to do what you need to do, unfortunately, to get out of that conversation. Um, and we all handle that differently. Um, these are difficult conversations, but the other thing that's self-honoring other than the walking away, which could be something we need to remember about these conversations where one person's dominating it. One person is just set on defense. One person is looking for us to stop talking, um, and, and sort of be the center. Um, we need to remember we can walk away, but we also need to remember what it's like to be that person to be that person and what is this person doing but holding on to their own opinions thoughts and beliefs and so the card kind of denotes that maybe you know this is hurtful to others and there's certainly a way to go about this that divides us um that's why there's the fiery hair there because sometimes we do this in a way that's um you know, it's not kind, it's fiery. We, we're letting our anger out in these conversations and letting them have a place at the table, um, sometimes in really detrimental ways that get out of hand, right? They, they burn. Um, but in other ways, it's a reminder that we're allowed to think what we think. We're allowed to say what we mean. And we don't have to give that up all the time. We don't always have to compromise. We don't always have to say, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, if we really don't believe what this person is saying, um, and, and that that can be okay too, even though that can be separating, um, how do we know? And that discernment is really important in this card. So some hard conversations are being had, uh, we're learning to walk away, but we're also learning how to hold on to what we actually think the opinions we have and not be sort of swayed in those. Um, and those are some of the hardest conversations to navigate. So, um, yeah, just remembering what you're allowed to do in conversations and that we come back out of it. We do come out of it with the six of swords and sometimes there's no solution. We just move forward. Um, we kind of let bygones be bygones. And that's what the six is about. It's about moving on from hard conversations um, that, you know, were maybe hurtful, you know, to us and being able to be accountable and move forward. Last card here, we have the world as the card that will center us. But interestingly enough, um, the world card that we have here is reversed. (laughs) And so again, just some really interesting cards for us. You know, let's just remember the journey we've been on before we talk about this. You know, we've been through the eight of cups where we're taking action to change because we don't have everything we need to have a stable emotional life. 
Um, we are, um, we're giving ourselves energy and coming back alive through our generosity, through finding balance with what we have to give and what we have to take, um, from people. Um, and that exchange of reciprocity, uh, life taking is when we can't hold emotions or we're trying to hold them all, um, with the King of Cups here. And then the nature of these conversations that need to happen about what we're committing to is the messy conversations, the conflicting conversations, the conversations that end up dividing us from things, separating ourselves from things, uh, people kind of holding our own, but also choosing when to to exit conversations around this. Um, so really interesting. I think, you know, something that's coming through just before I pop into the world card of how we center ourselves is um, there's a lot of work to be had um, before we get into our nine of cups, before we can sort of leap forward into the next iteration of things um, and really allow this transformation to occur. Um, and we're probably, you know, anytime there's eights, um, we're probably going to have to put a lot of effort, um, into this transformation. Um, this requires us to do the work and not the work, like internal work. This is going to literally, um, I think with the six, with the pentacles there of what's life giving, like we're actually going to going to have to put the nose to the grindstone and do tasks and do things. Um, so that's kind of interesting to think about. All right. How are we going to center ourselves through all of this is reversed world. It's the 20, um, 21 card. It's the last card of the major arcana and it's in reverse. Uh, isn't that interesting? You know, usually, um, what we see in the world is this person who, you know, usually they say is like the representation of, of the whole person, um, male, female, yin, yang, um, all the things and, you know, adult and child, all of these things are integrated into one being and us really coming into a fullness of self with all the resources, right? All the signs, all the energies of, uh, you know, the fire signs, the air signs, all of those. Um, and it's got the world snake kind of eating its tail. And it's about us, you know, always just digesting the past and moving on. Like we're just, we're always cycling through things. Um, and, and that's really the fullness of life and kind of getting to this point where finally it feels like we are the person we're meant to be, right? We, we got the thing, we got all the cops, um, where there's a fulfillment in the world card. Um, and it, it kind of begets back to the, the fool of like, now these, these new possibilities are here, but it's because we've integrated things and we can move ahead really successfully. So when it's reversed, we have to consider what that really means for the person in the card, um, that there isn't a sense of completion, that it doesn't feel like all these parts are coming together, the male, the female, the masculine, the feminine, the yin, the yang, the parent and the child, you know, it within us, but also maybe within our life. 
there's a little bit of centering of like, it doesn't feel centering. Let me put it that I'm going to just say the thing that doesn't feel centering, does it? So how can it be? How would that center us? And I think what it's telling us is we find centering when we realize this isn't finished yet. That things don't just close. Um, that things don't just end energetically. There's something that um, in this that's reminiscent to me of something James Olivia Chu Hillman often talks about. And they say, you know, even if you decide not to have a relationship with me or talk to me, we still have a relationship. You are still carrying a relationship towards me. And inside of me, I am still carrying a relationship towards you. And even though we're not talking, there's still a relationship being had. Any thoughts we have of the person, any way we relate to them now that we're not talking to them is still our relationship to them. Okay. So for some reason that just came into my head for the world reversed. It's like, how do we find center? And I think what it's saying is we can be centered in the idea and the knowledge and the acceptance that even when it seems like something has completed for us, maybe a transformation, right? When we're talking about Pluto, maybe something we're committed to or we're going to commit to. And maybe we're not going to, I don't know, based on cards, we have a bit of a walking away energy as an anchor. So we might be moving away from something we were committed to and that's going to jumpstart our evolution or be a part of how we we go back and sort of review what we actually want to evolve into here. Um, but I think the world centers us when we really accept that even if we walk away, even um, if things are reactive, even if there's a separating energy that's required in our commitments in order to evolve, that doesn't mean energetically everything comes together. It really feels like the best way you can center yourself is to come to peace with not getting closure, right? Because closure is just a really big theme in the world, right? Everything's coming together. Everything's full circle. Everything um, is like, yes, this conclusion was good, right? The way things happened were for my highest good, right? We have all those messages in, wor- in the world. As we kind of emotionally process through things, we go, you know, like, I really hated going through this, but I can see why that was good for me. Um, it's almost like centering into the fact um, that we're not quite at that point yet, and that that's okay, find centering really by being okay that things have fizzled out, being okay that things aren't at their end. Um, And for some of us, it may actually feel centered to know this hasn't kind of hit its end yet, right? Um, Especially when we think of relationships, I'm just like almost internally experiencing a little piece of that relief that is sometimes felt knowing like, oh, maybe this isn't our end. Um, I think of breakups I've had in the past 
um, back in my 20s when I would say, well, you know, maybe one day we'll come back together. Um, And for most of those relationships that unfortunately did not occur. Um, But of course, my world is righted now. And to me, it's like, oh no, it's good. It's good that that never should have happened. That's the beautiful thing about closure, whether we get it with the person at the time or not, is we will get to a point where we realize, okay, this is probably good that we didn't. And we find this internal closure without them on our side. Um, I think what the world reversed is telling us is that we're just not at the point to feel that kind of closure yet. Um, but the world always writes itself if we are willing again to do the work. Um, but I think the work is, is moving on with life here, right? Um, I think the work is, is giving of yourself in new places, finding a new balance, um, to what you have to offer people and, and just giving of yourself sometimes, um, throwing yourself into the service of people who need it can really help when we're feeling, um, stagnant when we feel like we're sort of missing something emotionally serve others not in a self-sacrificing way but in a self-generous way um and the world card center also just says like it's okay it is okay to feel uneasy it is okay to not know what the future holds because it's telling me our future is incomplete it's not done yet. Um, we're not there yet. And isn't that just Pluto in retrograde, right? Our evolution has hardly even begun this new phase, right? Not our whole life. We've had other evolutions, most likely of self, um, in our past. Um, especially since I know a lot of people in their thirties listen to this. Um, I'm sure there's people of all ages listening, but you know, we, we do evolve and we have different phases of evolution throughout life where we're evolving different things. And we're just kind of in the middle of this current one. And with Pluto and retrograde, I think the world reversed is in perfect alignment with that. It's saying this isn't done. This has just begun. We're going to come back around and we're going to do this right. And we're going to, in that way, be able to integrate and evolve and come to a way better result, um, a way better um, outcome um, than this time around. Uh, and and I think that feels like a natural ending to me um, of, of our reading. So I'm going to leave it there because I'm a fire sign and I could always say more. Um, but I think it's important to just really honor, honor that that's complete. So I hope you enjoyed this big, long um, tarot reading. I know I did. I'll be looking at this carefully um, and considering what what this pertains to. And I hope it really offered you some considerations as well, some anchors, some uh, practices maybe that came out of that of like, okay, I think I need to be doing this. Um, And just some reminders that maybe just offer you grace because lately it just feels like everyone needs a huge dose of grace. We're all just human, having a human experience, trying to get through things as a really, really imperfect human. (laughs) So with that, I'm going to leave you. I will be back though, 
because we have a lot of things happening in May. Um, and we have a, a full moon in Scorpio and some eclipse stuff happening end of week. So I will be back. <laughs> Don't forget to head to the link in my bio and join me for the next tarot circle that's coming at the end of May so we can vision for June. I'd love to host you. All right, my loves, that's it from me today. I will see you next time. I care about you. Stay well. Lots of grace to you today, my friend. Bye now.